Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Currency Exchange Podcast, a podcast series all about foreign exchange markets. I'll be your host today. I'm Brian Dangerfield, and I co-head the G10FX strategy team uh, here in the U.S., and I'm happy to be joined today by Paul Robson, who co-heads the G10FX strategy team for us based out of London, to talk about developments in major currencies this week with a specific focus on the European currencies and the dollar as well. So, Paul, thank you very much for joining. Thanks very much for the invitation. I'm always um, glad to join. So let's start with the European Central Bank, the ECB, because we're, as we're recording on Thursday morning, we are fresh off a decision uh, from the European Central Bank. An interesting decision, might I add. Paul, what did the ECB do and how do you think the markets are reacting uh, to this decision? Well, I think the the one line for me from the, the, the sort of key takeaway from the whole of uh, today's uh, events is that the market was saying, we just don't believe you. Um, so I, I think there was... You know, the guidance that was set out by the ECB was very little change. I, I don't think there was a lot uh, new from today, but uh, the euro fell, markets uh, moved to pricing sort of earlier, deeper cuts from the ECB and um, European uh, bond markets also uh, rallied. That was certainly the knee-jerk reaction. We're always a little bit mindful that later on in the day, we'll get some kind of sources uh, article that maybe just sort of settles down uh, markets. But that was the the, the key takeaway. Uh, and for me, it was that the, well, President Lagarde just struggled to justify at her guidance, the previous guidance of the governing council uh, against the backdrop of the data that we've we've seen. So she re reiterated her comments that she set out in Davos that, you know, markets were a little bit too early to price uh, cuts from the European Central Bank and that uh, rate cuts like to come uh, during the summer, markets had moved to price in before that uh, early uh, rate uh, cut. So she reiterated that. But everything else that she was talking about in terms of inflation and the risks around inflation and the latest growth data just wasn't consistent with that. Uh, and I think she struggled to set out why uh, the central bank wouldn't be easing uh, policy, say, in March uh, and April against that, that backdrop. Um, regular listeners will know that we've been focusing on recent inflation numbers and seeing that as uh, a negative for the, the currency. If you you take the, the change in prices over the last couple of months and you say, well, if that was to be repeated for 12 months, um, what would that give you in a year-on-year -year inflation number? Not to be you know make it too complicated, but that would give you an inflation number very close to the central bank targets uh, already. So when they say about needing more information and, and time, uh, that's just not um, consistent uh, with the data that we've got. And I, I think markets picked up on that. So with those Davos comments, the market was quite happy to, to de-emphasize the data and emphasize her comments. Today, it, it switched and the euro uh, fell as a result. Do you think that's the right reaction here? I know we've been talking, uh, you know, in the last couple of podcasts about um, euro and the changes in expectations around ECB being more linked to the data. Do you think that's the right reaction? And how do you feel about the euro moving forward in this environment where the ECB, you know, at times they seem to be trying to lean hawkishly against the market, but they seem to lack that credibility because the data have softened? Yeah, I, I think it's the right um, result to see a weaker euro on that expectation that the ECB may well be at the vanguard of the global policy easing cycle. I, I think there's this big type of war between whether the ECB or the Fed 
um, goes first. And I'd be really uh, interested in your comments, certainly on the, the Fed ahead of uh, next week. But this idea of weak growth uh, losing its yield, it doesn't feel like the euro is going to see capital inflows chasing uh, growth, stronger growth, because growth expectations are pretty weak. I know the PMIs uh, this week were sort of in line with expectations, but there were some very weak numbers from the large European countries, France and, and Germany. And I think that that would be uh, a worry. Uh, and when we think about the European FX landscape um, in total, then I think you are getting these two camps in terms of the leaders, in terms of uh, monetary policy easing, and the ones that might be a little bit uh, slower to, to ease. So places like um, Sterling, I'm sure you're going to ask me about that in a, a moment, not to preempt your, your next question, but Sterling, uh, Swedish Krona, Norwegian Krona, for different reasons, looked like they could outperform the euro uh, and the, the Swiss franc. And um, our colleague who couldn't be with us uh, this week, Ema, uh, she's been making the same point with uh, CE3 currency. So Poland on one side, Czech and, and half. And I, and I think after today's uh, press conference and, and guidance from the ECB, that, that still remains very much intact. Yeah, you went exactly where I was going to go because you talked about some of the growth data. We also had PMI data across Europe and in the UK. And the UK was the one that really stood out because some of those data were quite a bit stronger than expected. I know this has been a view you've held for a while, and it's been a view that's really worked out for us as a team is sterling our performance on the UK, you know, the UK central bank, maybe having a bit more credibility in terms of keeping rates high because of high inflation and other factors. How are you thinking about the Bank of England meeting coming up uh, as we look at that data coming in a bit stronger than we than I think the market had been expecting? Yeah, I, I think the next week's Bank of England um, meeting is going to be super interesting. I, I think we might get a hawkish surprise against a dovishly priced uh, market. Now, I think the dovish price bit is quite important. You know, we're not expecting uh, the Bank of England to raise rates, nor is uh, anyone else, but. I think there is an increased focus on the inflation um, projections that will be part of that um, central bank decision uh, next week. So um, if we're not going to see a change in interest rates, the focus is going to be on the signaling and the guidance about future uh, rate changes, just as it was for the, the ECB. And there, there's quite a lot of moving parts. So you also have the press conference, you have the minutes, uh, you have the vote count. Uh, as well. But you also have from the Bank of England the inflation projections, and that tends to be the primary uh, policy signal. And over the recent weeks, markets have taken on board some softer trends in wage data that are probably lower uh, than the, the central bank was expecting, and expecting those inflation projections to be relatively dovish. Uh, whereas our economics team note that that's that's part of the story, but equally markets have priced in an earlier set of rate cuts from the, the Bank of England, an easing set of financial uh, conditions, and that actually is going to lead to an upshift in the inflation forecast across the profile, and inflation being possibly above target at the policy important sort of two-year, three-year uh, horizon. So that's going to give the overall uh, decision, I think, a, a relatively hawkish um, tone. And when we think about other central banks who are guiding potentially to easing policy, I, I think that actually plays relatively positive 
uh, for the currency. Yeah, I think you made a really good point about you know, growth, you know, we don't just look at growth data in absolute terms. We look not only in relative terms, but also rel- to each other, but relative to the consensus. And, you know, this has been a theme. I think Sterling is the best, you know, sort of theater for this theme, this counterplay between growth expectations, which are still pretty low against central bank expectations, which are still pretty hawkish. And so, you know, which of those sort of wins out is, you know, still an open question. But certainly for now, it has been rates. I think that have been winning out. And Sterling has been, in the eyes of some, I think, a surprise outperformer. We've been more sort of on, on board with that idea that Sterling would be an outperformer. Euro Sterling has moved lower, you know, certainly in the aftermath of the ECB today. Euro Sterling has been on a falling trend over the course of January. Uh, do you think that there's room for that to continue here as this sort of policy divergence maybe opens up a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think it has a little bit to run. Euro sterling doesn't ever move a, a long way uh, unless there's sort of one large increase in the, the risk premium, maybe a, some kind of political uh, event. But I think in the rate outlook, there's a little bit more um, sort of juice, if you like, for euro sterling to uh, move lower sterling to outperform the, the euro on that rate outlook, like you, you said. Um, in terms of growth, you mentioned the weak growth outlook. And I think in some sense, it's about getting to the point of peak pessimism uh, around the UK. I think that's a pretty well-worn sort of story in the, the UK and will be reflected in the level of financial assets. And if, if that's correct, then maybe some people will look at UK assets as being undervalued. And if it's equities, then that might not be hedged and that would be uh, supportive. Uh, and also, we're not really expecting... A, a jump in the risk premium uh, around Sterling, around, say, the, the UK election. I know it's a long way off, but we're not really expecting that to move the needle on uh, gilts or, or Sterling. And that just leaves interest rate expectations. And over the last 18 months, Sterling has just tracked interest rates. It's a, an argument we set out, uh, the two of us, back in November when we published our year ahead thoughts. And, and I think that's still very much um, uh, in play. Um, when we think about the, the Bank of England, so we've gone through that. We've gone through the, the ECB. So we had a ECB who was trying to sound hawkish, but markets didn't quite believe. We've got a dovishly priced market for the Bank of England, and we think they they surprise. Uh, obviously, we've got the Fed uh, next week. Um, we've had a little bit of uh, data, going to be very widely watched. I just think, what are your thoughts about the, the Fed heading into to that meeting? Yeah, it's it's funny because so much is going on and so much, you know, th- there's th- there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of the, t- uh, you know, the timing of the next Fed move. Uh, but it doesn't look like next week's meeting is going to be a moment where the Fed really gives us a lot of additional clarity, if that makes sense. It feels a bit like a placeholder meeting. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be some changes in the language. The statement language probably has to be updated to reflect the reality that the Fed is firmly finished with their previous tightening cycle. You know, they haven't hiked the policy rate in several months already. But it's now very clear that the Fed is uh, feels that the policy rate tightening cycle is done. In terms of timing of interest rate cuts, you know, I think the Fed is likely to keep with the script that we've been hearing from them for a while, which is you don't want to prejudge, uh, but you know, that the uh, they think that maybe the base case is a little bit less aggressive than the market, just like all of the other central banks we talked about today, ECB trying to push a little bit in that direction, a little bit less credibility, Bank of England probably going to push in that direction, a little bit more credibility. I think the Fed probably falls somewhere in the middle, uh, where the inflation data have slowed in a meaningful way. 
while the growth data have still remained pretty strong. And that's a very sort of soft landing type environment where inflation is slowing. That gives the Fed a little bit more flexibility to cut the policy rate down the road, even if growth doesn't slow. But, you know, some members of the Fed will certainly be thinking, hey, if the economy is still doing very well, then risks on the inflation front could still be leaning in the positive direction. And so it's probably too early to give the market a clear signal that we're approaching that point. And so markets still have pretty healthy expectations. You know, it's not the base case, I don't think, but there's still a healthy expectation in the market that the Fed cuts the policy rate at their following meeting in March. We think that's less likely than a cut at the May meeting. We think it might take a little bit longer. Um, and I think the Fed's communication, I don't think the Fed's communication is probably going to do too much to really shake the market up in either direction. As you mentioned, Paul, everyone's watching the data, um, in particular, the inflation data and the employment data that we'll get, I believe, at the end of next week. And so an important week of data. I'm not sure the Fed really shakes the market up all too much. Yeah, that's all Yeah, pretty pretty clear. Maybe we had more excitement out of the ECB and potentially the Bank of England, but that's that's see. So in terms of the the dollar, obviously we've had quite a round trip over the last couple of months. We had that uh, weakness in December and it, it set off um, in a much better position uh, in January. And we've sort of reached some quite key levels in some of the bilateral exchange rates, the sort of 200-day moving average that some people sort of focus on. Um, what are you um, thinking about the, the dollar here? Can it extend range-bound or, you know, is that is that it for the, the year already in January? So, uh uh, it certainly feels like the you know the move that we've seen so far in January in the positive direction for the dollar is justified, and we've talked about some of the drivers behind that. We felt the move in December to the downside in the dollar was maybe overextended, and a big part of that was the market getting over its skis a little bit in terms of pricing the Fed. From our outlook, you know, the market pricing for the Fed is still a little bit over its skis. You know, think about markets still pricing a healthy odds of a cut in March, which we just don't think is uh, we don't have that as our base case. We think hikes start a little bit. Excuse me. Rate cuts at the March meeting is what's priced at the moment. We don't think those start uh, until later in May. And so there's a, maybe a little bit more to come out of uh, uh, the market there. But we think market pricing is a lot closer to fair now than it was a few weeks ago. And so I think the risk reward probably still favors dollar upside um, as we head through the key data next week. You know, the growth data really have not materially slowed. Certainly on the inflation front, you have seen that slowdown. And that is uh, that slowdown in inflation. That's very good news. It's allowed the Fed some more flexibility and the markets have adjusted in kind. Um, but, you know, I think at this point, it's about sort of fine tuning those expectations around the very near term. And so from that perspective, we think there's probably maybe still uh, a bit more a, a bit more to go here. But the risks certainly don't feel as blatant as they did a few weeks ago. when We were coming into the very beginning of the year thinking that this dollar weakness we had seen had run too far too fast. Now we've pulled back a bit. I don't think positioning is extreme. I don't think certainly Fed expectations have come back a solid ways and look a lot closer to fair with the market basically seeing cuts starting later in the year with some odds priced uh, for a move at the March meeting, which we think is a lot more a lot more realistic rather than as compared to where we were at the end of December when markets were almost 100 percent priced for a 25 basis point rate cut at their uh, at their March meeting. So with that, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, really nice talking to you, Paul, and running through our thoughts about some of the major currencies. Uh, as we look forward to an important week ahead um, and an important week gone by as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider liking our channel and subscribing as well uh, to get our latest podcasts uh, as soon as they're released. Thank you very much. <laughs>